Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Death, starring Nicole and Jemmy and Maria QK. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mother Knows Death. This week we have some exciting news. Matthew Perry's autopsy results were revealed. So, do you want to get into this story of the week, Maria? Yeah, so. We had talked about his death on our very first episode, which was on November 1st. So his autopsy results finally came out, which were a little quicker than we were anticipating, right? Because when Lisa Marie Presley had died last year, it took quite a long time for them to come out. So what's come out is that he died from acute effects of ketamine. Do you want to explain that for everybody? Yeah, so he has a really long history of addiction. First, he started out with alcohol when he was a teenager, and then he had a jet ski accident, and he got into taking opioid pills, and then he he developed a really crazy addiction for that. He was taking upwards of 55 pills a day at one point during his addiction. He did multiple bouts of treatment, of rehab. He had a lot of surgeries because of a bowel obstruction. So when you take opioids, you can have chronic constipation. And what happens is that if the poop can't move through, then when the new food starts breaking down and turns into poop, there's nowhere for it to go out. And then it causes the bowel to dilate behind it. And then eventually it could it could perforate or as he would say, his colon exploded. And he ended up getting multiple surgeries as a result of that. He had to have a colostomy bag for a short period of time. And because of that, he developed lots of surgical adhesions, which are scars in the abdominal cavity. And he was, he seems like he was in chronic pain because of that, which makes complete sense because I know people who personally have that, that do suffer from chronic pain. And so he was, he was trying to get off the opioids and he was taking medication for that to get off of the opioids. And then he was also doing this treatment called ketamine, which when I was a kid, that was called special K. Have you, I don't know, Ray, if, if you, if that was around when you were a kid, but it, it was just like another form of acid kind of thing when I was a teenager. I mean, I'm sure it was, but I'm sure it was regarded as a narc. So nobody was yeah, telling exactly. me about it. <laughs> Maria, yeah, Maria, like the rule follower. They never talk to drugs uh, with you. But yeah, so he was doing, now it's like you hear about this on the news all the time. There's all of these, who did it? Um, Christy Teigen and who else had said they did it? So Christy Teigen had done a treatment and um, Adriana on Real Housewives of Miami just on a recent episode had, they actually filmed her doing it. And I was like, I would never want to be filmed being high on something like this. So- the theory is is that they give you this this low dose of this drug called ketamine, which is usually used as an anesthetic for people 
the the best example to give is if you go to the hospital and you break your leg and the doctors have to like reset your leg and it hurts so bad. So they would give you a drug like this just so you are kind of disassociated from the fact that you're in so much pain. And they give you a really low like micro dose of it and it's supposed to help with depression and anxiety and you but you get this treatment under a medical doctor's care and what the toxicology results showed was that he had so much of this ketamine in his system it's equivalent to what an anesthesia person a patient under anesthesia would have and he wasn't under anesthesia in fact he hadn't had a ketamine treatment with the doctor for a week and a half which means that he was taking ketamine illegally and it it, it does get abused so that's what they found in the autopsy report. He was not on opioids. Well, he was on the, the low-grade opioid that was trying to help him with his opioid addiction. But really, he was on such a high dose of ketamine. And what happened was he had this underlying pathology because he was a smoker for so many years. He smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. So he had damage to his left anterior descending coronary artery, which would have eventually given him a heart attack pretty soon anyway without this. And he also was had pretty bad emphysema as well. And with the lack of oxygen coming into his lungs and his heart damage, he what happened was he took this ketamine, this high level of it, and he kind of passed out or was like low-grade unconscious, slipped into the water of the hot tub that he was sitting in and the water in the hot tub kind of finished him off by he, he drowned in it. There was a little bit of water seen like that. He didn't just drown in, in the hot tub. It was that the, the combination of the drugs along with the pathology in his heart and lungs made him fall into the water. So do you think if he was on the couch versus in the hot tub, he would have had a better chance of surviving or was it already a little too late by the time and then he just happened to be on, slip under the water as well? Well, if he if he was having... If he was if he was having an issue where he was having a lack of oxygen to his brain, he could have had permanent brain damage from that anyway if he wasn't in the hot tub. It depends when the assistant was there, if she found him right away. Like I'm not really I'm not really sure to be honest with you, but that's that was what was eventually the cause of death was the was him being immersed in the water. Okay, got it. Well, let's move on to some celebrity news. Our first story is another housewife, Teddy Mellencamp, daughter of John Cougar Mellencamp. Last year, she had been diagnosed with stage 2 melanoma, and she has just recently announced that in the last year, she's been diagnosed with an additional 13 melanomas and that her immunotherapy treatment is not really working out as she had hoped. So, I don't really understand what immunotherapy is necessarily. Do you, can you give an explanation of how that works? Yeah, so the whole entire job of your immune system is when things come in like bacteria or germs, your immune system fights it as foreign. And you don't want your immune system to work to attack your own cells because if it did, well, it does sometimes. That's what an autoimmune disease is. And sometimes these melanoma cells can trick themselves, they could trick the immune system and they can continue to grow and the immune system doesn't really recognize them as foreign. So they give this, these medications, sometimes it's creamed, sometimes it's IV therapy. And it, what happens is, is it helps the patient's own immune system kill the cancer cells, 
what happened was, I, I mean, she, I, I'm going to be honest with you. She's going to, she's having a, a really bad problem because melanoma could be really nasty and hers is, is giving her trouble. And I saw the picture on her back of where she had all of these excisions done and it, it's in her entire shoulder blade, the entire corner of her back. It's a huge area of skin. And what happened was when they cut it out, the margins were positive. So that means that when they looked at it under the microscope, all the edge, which on the other side of that edge is still the skin that she has, there was there was some kind of cancerous cells approaching the edge. And there's two ways to get rid of it. You either cut out more of it, which they offered her. They said that she would have to get a skin graft because it's it's so much of a huge area. Or she could try this immunotherapy cream and put it on and hopefully get it under control. And what she's saying is that she used it and it didn't work. Yeah, I mean, I also saw that picture of her back and it's really, really scary to think about. And I guess she's considering the more extreme options because she doesn't really have another choice. And it's scary. And I do, she's not my favorite housewife for many reasons, but I think it's cool that she's really using her voice to, tell everybody and show the pictures of how horrible this has been for her and being like if your doctor tells you to come back in three months you go back in three months you don't wait four you don't wait five you don't blow them off it's really important to stay on top of this especially being married to a ginger i fear this so deeply and i keep scaring him with being like you have to go to the dermatologist all the time (laughs) so it's scary and she's she's so young she's 42 and Actually, we have a family friend that just had a, a mole removed off of her child's back, who is my daughter's age. She's 10 years old, and she had precancerous cells from melanoma. It is, it's very scary. And my first question t- to my friend was, is there a family history of this? And she said, yes, my husband's family has a history of melanoma. And that's where it starts is with the family history. But it, it just... Because now I think all of the kids that are born from now on, parents know that the dangers of their child getting sun poisoning and sun really bad sunburns can really predispose you to melanoma early and later in life. But it it's just it's really, really important to know that if you have a family history, you have to be even more extra on top of it, because once these start popping up, it, it's it could be the worst cancer to get, honestly, if it spreads. No, definitely. It's really scary and people just got to really be on top of it. If you see something on your skin and you don't feel right about it, go to the doctor. If you don't like how the appointment went, it's it never hurts to get a second opinion on something. Yeah, they could always do they could always do a biopsy and just roll it out for peace of mind. And that that's one thing that I was saying with my friend when when this child had a mole on their back. I I love that the doctor was like, "You know what? Let's take it off and look at it cuz the kid's 10 years old." And when they looked at it, it was atypical. And if another doctor had blown that off, that could have ended up being really bad for her. No, definitely. And she's so young. Okay, let's get into the freak accidents. Okay, so this child was shot with a high-powered air rifle, quote-unquote, and then died. So in Arizona, this man was using a high-powered air rifle to shoot twenty-two caliber pellets at targets. I actually called our resident hunting expert, your brother, my uncle Louie, to ask. Well, some do you want to hear about- something great? 
So right before we started recording, I called Louie and he said, um, Maria already called me about this. And I said, oh, OK, because I I always want to run past him gun questions just because he's he's just so well educated about it that I want to make sure that I'm I'm saying the right thing, because even looking things up online, it, it doesn't do the same thing as if you talk to somebody that actually deals with these things all the time. So, yeah, say, tell them what Louie said. Okay, well, that's exactly why I called him, though, because in the article that we're reporting on, they reported that these guns are mostly used for recreational purposes. But then when I Googled them, they were coming up as hunting tools. So I'm like, I need some clarification on what it is. So Louis basically said that it's a high velocity, it's higher velocity than your standard BB gun. So you would, you can use this for hunting, although it's not as common, but you would use it to shoot small game like squirrels, raccoons, groundhogs, but it is often used for recreation. So in this story, this, this is kind of wild. So this I actually, I know what you're going to say, and I actually think that that's almost worse than what, what the outcome was of this story. So this eight-year-old boy and this 10-year-old girl are driving on an all-terrain vehicle and accidentally drove where this man was shooting the target. And that's how the child was struck. And he ended up dying as a result of his injuries because he was shot directly in his chest. But how many times do we need to bring up why are children driving these vehicles by themselves? And even the police said in the article that it was quite common that children in this area are driving these type of vehicles because the properties are really spread out. People have many acres. And regardless, it's that's a whole other issue, I guess. But the story we're going to focus on is... It's it's not a whole other issue, though, because let me tell you why. But regardless of if they crash the thing, that's the obvious thing you're going to say. If they crash it, kids flip over on it. They get pinned under it. But the other thing is that a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old don't know where they should be driving. And there's a high probability that they, like, drove on this guy's property and they shouldn't have been there. But they're, they're 8 and 10 years old, so how would they know? And... Why weren't they being monitored? They're children. Well, we talked about this with Jamie Lynn Spears' daughter, too, because she was in a similar type of vehicle and tipped over and had a near-death experience from this. And in this situation, a child is now dead because they're riding this vehicle around. It's just, I feel the same way about golf carts. Yes, they are slightly safer than regular cars, but children should not be driving them unattended. Yeah. And this is a huge problem. I feel like it's just going to keep coming up. We've been talking about it for years and it's been in a couple of stories already this year. Well, I think I think that I mean, luckily, there, there's there's like four deaths a year from these kinds of guns. So they don't they're not really a danger. I think it just was like uh, this is why it's the ca- the category of freak accidents that guy. like I don't really know what the investigation is going to show, but I just have a high probability that that guy was in his yard doing what he normally did and kids came on his property and he didn't even think that that was going to happen. So it no, just totally. was, it just was like a, a a bunch of bad decisions, but that ended up in death, unfortunately. And the investigator said their initial thought is there's no criminal situation going on here, but they have to, of course, do an investigation and rule that out. But it purely seems like a freak accident. Okay, let's talk about this next story, a boy that was killed with a hockey puck. So this boy was playing hockey in Quebec, and I'm sure most people know that Canada is hockey heaven up there, and all children play, and it's like it's their football up there. It's huge. So I think that 
these kids, why I'm saying this is because I think these kids are so ingrained in it in their culture that sometimes there's a little bit of a lackadaisical aspect to the safety standards because they're just raised growing it. I could be totally wrong and please correct me if I am everyone, but this 11 year old boy was playing hockey and he was hit in the neck by a puck and he was put in the ICU and then died a few days later. And the question comes up again, another story we keep talking about is, should neck guards be mandatory for players, especially for adolescents? Oh, this kid was wearing a neck guard. This kid was wearing... He was. He was wearing a neck guard and all of the protective gear that he should have been wearing. Oh my God. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. He was, and he was brought to the ICU, and he had he was left in critical condition, and he died. But yes, the article did say that he was wearing the neck guard and all of the appropriate safety equipment, which is even scarier. Yeah, it is scary, but I guess with any sport, there things can just happen. I just had this conversation with Ricky the other day because he just started playing hockey again, and I'm like, I don't mean to be your naggy wife. <laughs> can you consider getting a neck guard because I know you're playing in an adult league and it's just nobody's getting crazy, but... Things happen, and I would but feel you're a lot better. on ice, and people slip on ice all the time. Yeah, it, it, seriously. So he he did to my comfort say he was thinking about getting one because of what happened with Adam Johnson, and it's really unfortunate that these horrible things have to happen for people to take safety seriously. But this is scarier to hear that this kid was doing everything correctly so everything i was saying earlier is kind of null void because of that well we also we have a story later on about a hockey puck hurting someone too but that's in another category but i i think at the end of this episode we're gonna have to say like okay it's it just seems like even since we started this podcast on november 1st we've talked about a bunch of hockey accidents so it i i mean you don't want to say the same thing could happen with with every other sport, I guess. But it's just it's just a little nuts. All right. You want to get on yeah. to the next story? Yeah. So this story is under the, the under the guise of freak accident. But I also am curious if more information is going to come out about this. So in Arizona, a father had gone out to go Christmas shopping and grocery shopping and was out of the house for two and a half hours when a fire broke out in the downstairs of the house Upstairs was five children. Four of the kids were his. One of them was a relative that had been hanging out. The kids were two, four, five, eleven, and thirteen. All of them died in this fire. I, I, I mean, listen. Like, I understand. I was a single parent for a long time. I still like have my kids a lot when my husband's at work or something. And I just like I'm not a fan of leaving kids home alone for something like going shopping, especially. I mean, like, there's kind of no excuse now. You can, I, I got 99% of the girls' presents delivered to my house. So if you can't, you don't have to leave kids home alone. And especially you have a two-year-old and a five-year-old. The 11 and 13-year-old, you might say, okay, although they're probably zoned out on their iPads or phones. So that's another thing you need to take in consideration that they're not paying attention to their surroundings like we were when we were kids and home alone right but that being said two and a five-year-old like that's a that, and a four-year-old and a four yeah like that's that's just ridiculous two and a half hours like i'm sorry but that's negligence in my opinion it's just negligence and i don't even know how the fire started but it started downstairs and it was in the the 
hallway or the foyer of the upstairs and the kids were all trapped up there. Apparently the neighbors were trying to get them out, but like obviously regular people can't go into a house that's on fire. So there you go. Five children are dead. I mean, this is, this is why I get scared to let my kids sleep over people's houses. Like when I go there, I'm always like, make sure you know two different ways to get out of the house and in case it catches on fire because fires could happen. You have a candle lit, anything could happen. I, I just, I, I hate hearing this because it didn't need to happen. Like the guy didn't need to go shopping for two and a half hours and, and leave well, the kids alone. Like it's just not I an doubt, excuse to me. I doubt this is the first time the kids were left alone. So if you want to break it down like that, I don't think, I think that deaths can be considered a freak accident in that regard, but it is, is it going to become criminal for neglect and leaving kids like that? Even though a 13-year-old is a is a fine age to be a babysitter, in my opinion, but not for that many kids and that young. What, like, what mom even wants to have five kids? Seriously, like, you, you have five kids. Think about, like, any mother that has, that, that has more than two children. It's a lot to take care of that many kids. If you're, if you're a mom and you had all five of those kids, it's a lot to take care of them, right? You're going to let a 13 year old take care of kids that that much it's just, it's too much it's too much and it's negligence 100 percent, in my opinion yeah all right this story is insane this next story all right this man in texas was driving so fast that he hit a pedestrian and it is believed that because of how fast he was going the pedestrian came through the windshield and landed into the passenger seat. So then this guy drives 40 miles and ends up at a jack-in-the-box, which is a fake McDonald's. I don't know if you've ever been to one, but ew. There was, but- <laughs> a, there was, listen, this is like kind of off topic, but when I was a kid, there was like a huge E. coli outbreak at that place. And like, I never will go there again because it just, it just like freaked me out to ever think about getting that. All right, continue. Okay, so he gets to the jack in the box and somebody calls 911 and says that there is a driver slumped over in the wheel and extensive damage to the car. So these cops get there and they find this guy and they're like bringing him in to question it. And then as they're looking at the car, they find a lifeless, not body, a lifeless torso in the passenger seat. And the guy thought he hit an animal, but it was actually a human. And they had to retrieve this person's legs at the scene in which that they were hit 40 miles away from this scene. And it is just such a mess. Yeah. And they said that when they put the guy in the patrol car that it smelled like a brewery in the back seat. So cool. He was yeah. drunk. And you hit like you're so you're that drunk that you don't realize that you have a huge hole in your windshield. There's. There's a human torso in your passenger seat, gushing blood everywhere. And it took him two and a half hours to drive the 40 miles. So God knows what else happened in that two and a half hours. Do you think all he did was hit that person? Like he was probably, I don't know if he hit other people. I'm just saying he was probably smacking along things in other cars the entire drive. Can can we just like give props to the police sometimes like the the shit that they walk into i can't even imagine like just imagine getting a call like oh there's there's a car that's all crashed up come show up here and just going and and seeing a torso i mean no matter how much you're trained to 
see all this stuff, whether you're a firefighter, a cop, whatever, it still is is like really hard to take when you see something like that. And and how do you just like not think that guy is the biggest piece of shit and treat him with any kind of respect? I would just be that's why I couldn't be a cop. I would just I would not have tolerance to deal with that person, a drunk person that just killed somebody like that. No, so more than obviously, this guy has been arrested and <laughs> charges are pending. Okay, on to the next story, which is kind of a really scary thing that happens with a lot of parents and newborns is co-sleeping. So this story is about a mother was co-sleeping with her infant and her hair had wrapped around the baby's neck and she woke up to her hair being pulled and the baby crying and another person in the house had to use a knife to cut the hair off of the baby's neck and the baby almost died but very fortunately in this situation had survived it. I am a guilty co-sleeping parent. At least I was with you and you survived it luckily. But when I went to, after I went to the medical examiner's office, so you were already what, like a teenager by then or almost a teenager, I changed my mind completely because I couldn't believe how many babies died from co-sleeping. And in fact, like 3,500 babies die a year from co-sleeping incidents. And I remember one of the residents that I used to work with at the patho in pathology, had she had just had a baby and she told me she was doing that. And I was just like, dude, listen, I'm not trying to lecture you, but like, I'm just saying that this happens and, and people don't realize it. And a lot of times, especially with new moms, it's, I mean, the baby was one, but still when you have a one-year-old that you're not sleeping through the night and you have work the next day and you're just trying to get by like everybody else is. And then that lack of sleep could put you in such a deep sleep that you could accidentally roll over the baby. I've actually never heard this particular one of hair wrapping around the baby's neck. But yeah, it's something it's something they sell so many things now that you could put right next to the bed to put the baby in so the baby's safer, but you're still there. So it, 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 there's really no excuse for it anymore. Yeah, I mean, all I could see was that this woman was just so exhausted. You've been a mom, so you know it with I'm still exhausted. Baby. I'm still exhausted yeah. <laughs> from when they were babies. I, I'll, I'll never catch up on sleep again. You're still exhausted from 1994? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, not I with you because I stuck you in bed with me. I slept fine. <laughs> Luckily, you survived it. No, but I just, I could totally see how this happens so easily and it's just sad, but at least in this situation that it ended up working out okay. All right. Explain this next story to me because I feel like a certain way after reading it twice now and I don't really understand why there was a lawsuit, but do you want to talk about it? So in September of 2017, this woman had gone to a party with her friends and around 4 a.m., the friends told the mother that they couldn't find the friend. So later, it turns out that on surveillance video, they see this woman walking around at 3.30 in the morning, heavily intoxicated, near this walk-in freezer at this hotel. And they didn't find her for 21 hours. So by the time they found her, she had died from hypo or hyperthermia? Hypo. Hypothermia. So... She had been found dead in the freezer, and the family was suing, saying that they didn't look for her fast enough, they didn't review the security camera fast enough, and if the hotel had been regularly monitoring the cameras, they would have seen her go in and found her quicker. 
I also don't think this warrants a lawsuit because they came to the conclusion that she was really intoxicated and on medication for seizure slash migraines, which is a medication that both of us have been on in our life. Yeah, I was assuming it's probably Topamax or something. Yeah. And I remember when I was on Topamax that I was heavily encouraged not to consume alcohol on it. And I don't know about your experience with it, but I already felt like my brain was severely delayed when I was on that medication and I was not making good judgments. So I can't imagine introducing alcohol into that environment as well. But it's seeming like she got really drunk or blacked out maybe even from the combination of her medication and drinking and then stumbled into this freezer and froze to death so so I still the, don't so really the obvious question is why is this their problem i i don't know but they settled and the family was granted 10 million dollars i just don't i don't understand it like i'm i'm like so you go to someone's place and you get drunk and then you get trapped into something and then that's their fault like i i personally why is it their problem that they have to look for a missing adult and it's, I, and and she wandered into this freezer? I I feel like I have to be missing more of the story because it it doesn't make any sense to me. Unless they, I mean, I, I know guess. they asked for fifty million dollars and they settled for ten million. They probably just wanted it to go away, but I, I'm looking at it like like listen, I the the lady lost her daughter and it sucks like. Trust me, it sucks, but I just don't see how it's the hotel's fault. Like, why they're not the babysitter? They didn't, they didn't agree to watch your daughter while she was drunk and and wandering around. I just don't understand. Well, I guess they're trying to say that if it was standard procedure as it should have been to be monitoring these cameras more regularly, then they could have found her faster than twenty one hours later, which could have saved her life. And that's where the settlement's coming from, but she shouldn't have I been still there in the first place. Really see, yeah, that's how I feel. Like it, it's not anybody. I don't know. Like it's a weird. It's not anybody's responsibilities. What your monitoring habits are as a business. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe there's obviously like a, a jury heard this and awarded it and everything. Maybe or they settled. I no, don't know. Well, they settled, so it didn't go to a jury. Okay, so the they just wanted it to, to pay. So they just wanted it to go away then. Yeah, like I, yeah, I could see that happening because they were the family was seeking fifty million. So I guess paying a fifth of that is way better than risking going to court and having to pay that much money. But I don't see as a total outsider how they would be responsible for that at all. Okay. Today's episode is brought to you today by Stink Bomb. Earlier today, I was doing an interview that'll be coming out next week with Dr. Daniel Westcott, and he is a forensic anthropologist. And during that interview, I was telling him about the first time that I ever smelled a decomposing body when I was a student at the medical examiner's office and how I the morgue was down in the basement and I started walking down the staircase to go see my first autopsies there at the medical examiner's office. And I got smacked in the face with this smell and thought like, what the hell is that smell? It is so terrible. It's the weirdest, worst smell I ever smelled in my life. And 
I was thinking when I was telling him that story, like, geez, I wish I had stink bomb back then because I could have just put it right on my nose and went to work and acted like nothing was wrong because it was really hard to focus when I was smelling such a horrible smell all day while I was trying to do my schooling. But yes, I really wish that was available. But for anybody that has a stinky job or is in a stinky school profession and needs something to kind of block that out or lives in a stinky household... <laughs> teenagers especially they have that weird hoagie smell <laughs> um yeah i think stink bomb's awesome yeah so you could use code mkd15 at stinkbombodorblocker.com to get 15 percent off of your purchase thanks stink bomb all right ray do you want to get into some violent crime so this next story is out of turkey this man is saying in July he took his girlfriend up to the top of a cliff and he proposed to her and she said yes. Then he went to his car to get some food, heard her screaming, and found that she had fallen 100 feet to her death. So now, all these months later, after an investigation, police don't really think that's what happened because after interviewing her family, they believe that she was about to break up with him. When they got to the scene, the ring was still in his pocket, which... As you know, as an engaged person, you kind of have an unusual engagement story. But as what, what is my engagement story? Because like I still I still don't know if I ever did get engaged. I guess I did last year, right? Who knows? I don't know. But as somebody with a traditional engagement, typically the partner takes out the ring, presents it, and then you immediately put it on if you're going to go forward with it and say yes, which is what happened in my case. And Wait, so this well, guy, I have a question really quick. Do, does anybody what? really say no? Like, do you? Yeah. Do you not know that you're getting proposed to? Seriously. I think some people really don't. I think some guys are totally out of touch and can't read the room like this person. <laughs> and and no. And then situations happen where they get really angry when somebody rejects them and then they push them off of a cliff. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so. Yeah, they the investigators noted that he still had the ring in the, the box in his pocket, which they thought was kind of an unusual thing if she had said yes and the proposal had just happened moments before. And they there were signs of a struggle, broken glass, a broken speaker. So they're definitely thinking that he pushed her, that she said no to the proposal and he pushed her. Well, it is kind of a genius spot to propose, I suppose, if you're going to get rejected. <laughs> Well, her family also said that she had severe panic attacks and she would have never willingly stood so close to a cliff. Wow. That, so yeah. that's something to take into consideration as well. Yeah. So if, if I ever fall off a cliff because Gabe was trying to do something nice for me, you definitely should be wary because you know that I, I don't even like to stand close to the edge at the mall because I'm so scared of heights. <laughs> we know. Okay. <laughs> All right, next story. Th th uh, let's talk about this piece of shit. <laughs> Ruby Frank. A couple months ago, these Ricky hates this word, so I can't wait for him to listen to this. Mommy bloggers. So these these two women that were mommy bloggers, which is like women that run a blog or Instagram or TikTok about how to be the best parent you can be. And ironically enough, both of them have been arrested and accused of child abuse. So these two women, Ruby Frank and Jody Hildebrandt, who was her business partner, both of them were charged with six counts of child abuse between their two kids. So Ruby Frank has just pled guilty this week to four of the six counts. She had six kids, so I don't know why only four of them got abused, but 
One of them, one of the charges were for physical abuse. So she was physically tying up one of her kids, especially after that the kid tried to escape from the house. So after the escape attempt, she started tying the child up and how horrible. And then the second one was for emotional abuse for trying to tell this other kid that she was possessed and needed to be punished. And then the third and fourth charges that she agreed to says severe emotional harm inflicted by another child so it seems that she was encouraging the other kids to harass one another too she is disgusting she's getting sentenced in february and she is going to testify against the other woman which i feel like will be really interesting to watch yeah it will actually she i i heard that so she was she was tying the kids she was bounding the kids arms with like handcuffs and and zip ties and things like that and then he had these really deep like lacerations and abrasions on his arm and then i heard she was putting like hot sauce on them or something it's just so yeah it's so gross and the fact that she publicly was trying to act like she was she was like this really good mom although she's a lot of people that watched her youtube channel said she did say things that were alarming about wasn't there a story that the six-year-old that was in first grade went to school without a lunch and and then um, the school had called and said, could you bring your daughter a lunch? She forgot it. And then she said, no, I'm not. She should have made it this morning before she went to school or something. Yeah. So I think there was a lot of stuff like that. And this story first broke when one of the kids got out of the house and got help from a neighbor. And then it kind of opened Pandora's box on the whole situation. But they are saying that some of her followers, viewers, whatever platform she was on, had reported weird behavior in the past, like the lunch incident you said. The kids, some of the kids appeared to be malnourished. She would make them stand outside for hours at a time and they would get severe sunburn. It's really a disgusting Which, story. Yeah, and, and I was thinking about t- that too, actually, going back to the uh, Mellencamp story, that you, if a kid, I mean, there it is just a known correlation that children that get really bad sunburns as children grow up to be adults that are at a higher predisposition for melanoma. And this not only, I mean, obviously this abuse is going to totally fuck this kid up for the rest of his life anyway. Like now he might have to be dealing with a medical issue in the future because he was getting such severe sunburns as a child. It's just, it, it seriously pisses me off so bad. I hope I hope she goes to prison and gets treated, gets the really good prison treatment. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like every week I'm so disheartened to hear these stories of these people that just should not have children when certain people work so hard to have kids and aren't naturally blessed with them. So this really pisses me off whenever we talk about a story like this because I'm just like, so this lady like had six kids and just doesn't give a shit and treats them absolutely horrible and now six lives are traumatized for no reason. What's the husband's role in all of this? That's been pretty quiet. I'm going to be really interested to see that. And I'm really fascinated to see what she's going to say and maybe try to pin against the other lady in total narcissist fashion. So. Yeah, also think about she she used the children for her YouTube series. I mean, the whole the whole thing is just it's it's really gross. Okay, this next story is super scary, right, Ray? Yeah, this family was driving on a highway in California, and they said this car with two people in it was kind of like driving like crazy, cutting them off, getting in front of them, getting in behind of them, So, and they were following the family. So finally, the driver slowed down the family of the family car, and 
The people in the other car pulled out a gun and shot at the car, shooting their young child in the back and killing the kid. Yeah, like killed the four-year-old kid right in front of his parents. The, the, the parents brought him to the hospital right away, and he was pronounced dead. And, and th- this scare this scares me because you know that my husband drives like a maniac. He's we're always going to a fire, even if he's off for the week and we're on vacation. And people get pissed if he if he cuts them off or something. And I'm like, listen, like. You hear stories like that and you can really just piss off the wrong person and then all of a sudden they're following you and they do some dumb shit and even if it's just cut you off and try to get you to crash your car or something, it's just really scary. And what it was two people did end up getting arrested for this, right? Yeah, a 29 year old and a 27 year old. Like what is what's the point of the what was the point of that? It it's so stupid and I've seen a lot of studies that road rage acts so men that are depressed typically don't get treatment for it as often as women do and it subsequently comes out in road rage oh that's interesting yeah so i think that's a really fascinating thing maybe we could do a deep dive on that one episode about how that all kind of works out but they're so they're saying that men have this build up and build up and build up of depression and they don't have the same outlets as or they're not as open to treatment as females can be so therefore it comes out like the littlest thing. This family might have not even knowingly cut them off or did something and then it doesn't matter. They snap and then these horrible events happen. So it's really sad to see stuff like this. And I'm sure everybody that's ever driven a car is at a situation where you've accidentally stopped a little late or you've cut somebody off totally by accident and then the person just starts freaking out and you're like oh my god it was an accident yeah yeah, right you're like you're looking at them like okay wow you're this mad because i cut you off like what are you like at home and (laughs) i had that didn't i tell you that i had that happen to me when i was like 17 years old driving my 1984 chevy celebrity like some box truck (laughs) and these two guys they like followed me all through the neighborhood and I didn't go. I was smart enough not to drive home and pull in so they would know where I lived. But it like scared the shit out of me. And like they couldn't tell I was like a young teenage girl that they had to mess with me like that. It's just kind of weird. Oh, they don't care. This this happened to me when I first moved into my house. I was at a light near my house and you can turn right on red, but there was a pedestrian crossing the street. So I clearly couldn't turn. And the woman behind me was honking her horn waving her arms up and i'm like do you not see a person's crossing the street like i can't turn wait a second you should have just turned right into them and then drove 40 (laughs) miles away with them in the front seat of your car exactly everyone else is doing it (laughs) so why can't i do it okay this next story is about a man who just decided that he was going to put eye drops in his what was his nephew yeah so they're they're saying that this guy, they were at a food establishment, but it didn't name the business. It was either a restaurant or a fa- I'm assuming it was a regular restaurant based on the rest of it. But they're saying that this guy asked for Visine from the waiter, which, you know, I worked in the restaurant industry for over 10 years and people ask for Tylenol and stuff. But like we we always say no because you can't be responsible for giving somebody something like that. But this customer asked for Visine. Somebody acquired it and gave it to him. And they saw him spray the eye drops in this kid's meatball sandwich. Okay. And then they were like, you know you could hurt somebody, right? And he said, oh, I hate him today. And he's just going to shit his brains out. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I I think, so 
I can understand Tylenol because like when you get a headache, you just feel really shitty and you want it to go away. So I would I would I would actually probably ask like, hey, do you have any Tylenol or something? But eye drops like when is there ever a situation where unless it was like allergy eye drops because it's the worst feeling in the world when your eyes are like itching but isn't like visine just for because your eyes are red you just want them not to be red anymore it's not like an emergency you could wait till you go to the drugstore or something well they make all different kinds of it so they also have allergy versions well whatever i have some in my bag oh but yeah well so the the whole the whole theory is is that the it's a vasoconstrictor, right? Because it takes the blood vessels in your eyes and makes them smaller so your eyes aren't red anymore. But when you ingest the eye drops, the eye drops don't know that it should just do the vessels in your eyes versus the vessels around your heart and the vessels in the rest of your body. So if it's constricting all of your vessels, especially in like a 4-year-old kid, like th- that could that's considered poisoning a, a child. I mean, he's going to that's going to be like an attempted murder charge. What what a, well, what a dumbass. I don't think it said the age of the nephew. I thought it said that he was four. I don't think so because he said he ate the sandwich not knowing that it was tampered with and he refused medical treatment. So I don't oh. think a child. And there was a history, like a years long history of domestic abuse within this family. So With the kid? It just said with, with I the did, uncle. I did read that, but I was like, so there's a kid that's been having domestic abuse issues with this guy. I don't think. Oh, so I, maybe the nephew is is of age. It doesn't matter regardless if it, he's of age. Then maybe. Yeah, I think that he could have been like, Louis my uncle and only seven years yeah. older than me. So. I don't know. I, I don't know why my... I thought it was. All right. I feel a little different about the story, but honestly, I, I still don't. You still shouldn't try to poison anyone. But if it... that's why I say Louis like my bruncle because he's <laughs> kind of like my brother, but my uncle. So it's this weird age gap because I'm 29. He's 36. So, yeah. OK. It, OK. Yeah. But regardless, you could still poison someone and kill someone. Didn't we? I feel like we had a story. Um, It might have been when we were still doing the podcast in the grocery room, but it was when somebody did successfully poison someone with eye drops, right? No, this was or- just a couple of weeks ago. That woman put a bunch of Visine in her friend's drink because she said she was like a My Strange Addiction situation drinking them because she was addicted oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to them. And then she died, but they found all this fraudulent behavior with the woman and her wealth. So, yeah. So regardless, definitely- this guy's getting an attempted murder charge. What a what a moron! All right. Yeah. The, um. This. All right, so this next story, I almost, I didn't want to put it under the violent crime section, but since the guy was charged with attempted murder, or was he charged with murder? Yeah, I guess he was, because it was successful. Tell them the story, and then you'll know why I'm saying this. This woman was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2020, and she is... She was now on hospice in 20... Or, sorry. She was on hospice in 2021. This incident happened two years ago. So... She was on hospice in 2021, and allegedly in front of her entire family, her husband tried to choke her to death So she to was, ease her pain. She was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2020, and it was immediately, like, metastasized to her heart or to her brain and her lungs or something. She had it all over her body, um, lungs, liver, etc., and she was on hospice, and the husband went up to her and like put his hand over her neck in front of the family and tried to, well, successfully suffocated her to ease her suffering. And 
I don't know. Like, I was even talking about this case with Gabe this week, and I, I just, I, I'm like, I wish you would do that if that happened to me. And I was, l- listen to this, and let me tell you why. It said right before that she died, she was trying to get radiation, and she was trying to do any, like, last-minute thing to try to make this go away. She had chemo. She had radiation. And it said that she had multiple rounds, and she was suffering, and she had radiation burns that caused open sores and blisters in her throat, making it impossible to eat. And the only thing she might be able to get down is, like, a little bit of an inshore shake. And if she if she thought that, like, she would get better after this and stuff, but when they're telling her, like, you're stage 4 cancer— you're dying, you're suffering and stuff. I mean, I I don't think that the husband should be charged with attempted murder. He was, because people, you're going to think this is fucked up for me to say, but like people can go get euthanasia in certain, I don't know if you could get it in America. You can, right? In certain states, you could do medical euthanasia. I mean, maybe, maybe him and his wife had a talk beforehand and she said like, like I just did with my husband, like, don't ever let me suffer like that, please. I don't know. But I don't... Well, she didn't die from him doing... It. She did die the next day, but it wasn't from him. So they're saying that her cause of death is from end-stage breast cancer. He's getting charged with attempted murder, yeah. not for murder. And, so, and he said he would do it he again. He would do it again. And, and I'm just... I don't know. Like, if I saw Gabe in that condition... I could I could see how a person wouldn't want to see the the person that they love suffering like that. I mean, it's, I it's not right, but it's not. I don't. Attempted murder is like prison time and stuff. And is that necessary? I don't have a problem with this arrangement that couples seem to have sometimes. If somebody's terminally ill, I think his problem was he did it in front of the whole family, and if he just did it in private, that might have resulted a little differently. Yeah, I, I because I don't know. I don't know. I even if you and Gabe had something like this going on and like I came to peace with like you just wanted to be not be sick anymore, I don't think I'd be comfortable watching Gabe choke you to death. Like I'd rather it just happen in private. Yeah. I get that. And but, I think that's but where like, the issue lies. But like are you gonna call the cops on Gabe and have him go through like years of court in prison because of it or just like No, but not everybody's <laughs> chill. Like every family has a Karen and you don't know like read the room. You don't know your audience. <laughs> okay, let's get on well, that's why I was thinking I should put it under medical stories because I just like I'm not I'm not that mad about it. All right. You should really have it in your will, like if I'm terminally ill, well, the, don't, the thing, inter- the, don't charge my husband. The thing is, though, is that like even if I put all these funny things in the in the, if I say like, hey, please put a pillow over my head if I'm on hospice and this and that, like that he still could get in trouble for it. He's not allowed. You're not allowed to kill somebody unless you go to a place where you can get euthanasia, and then it's like totally you gotta fine. Be slick about it. You can't just yeah. be choking somebody in front of a room. He let of his people. emotions come over him too much. I think that guy. He should have just we're, yeah. Like, dude, we're on your side. Just you didn't do the right yeah, thing. Yeah, you had to think that one through a little bit. All right, let's get into the. We only have one medical story this week, and this one bothers me a little bit. And getting back to the hockey puck, you want to get into this? Yeah, on November fourteenth, this hockey player from. The Arizona Coyote. I can't even say this guy's name, and I don't want to embarrass my husband, who's an NHL super fan, by saying it. But this player on the Arizona Coyotes, November 14th, was hit in the mouth with a 93 mile per hour puck. 
So the doctors at the game evaluated him and determined that it was a serious injury and he needed to go to the hospital and they believed it would require surgery. So they were in Dallas when this game took place. So this player is transported to a Dallas emergency room and he is not treated for a couple hours. So when I first read that part of the story, I was like, well, have anybody ever been to an American emergency room? Like you're there forever. So that part yeah, wasn't you know glaringly bad. You know for what's me. interesting to me? Number one, usually when you go via ambulance, you get kind of like a backdoor entrance and you get preferential treatment. And he's also like, this is what surprised me because he's like a little VIP. It's, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Not that anybody yeah. should. I, I'm kind of like anti VIP in the hospital, but I've seen it so many times that I'm actually surprised that he wasn't treated like a little bit more preferential treatment because he was brought there from a from a hockey game. You know what I mean? So, like a professional hockey game. Yeah. So when he was there with family, they were saying he was unable to function and had a hole in his mouth and significant internal bleeding. But before they knew this, allegedly hospital workers told him to go get a hotel room and come back later because they were understaffed and couldn't get to him and wanted to prioritize more traumatized patients. So I'm not, I wasn't really sure, I, which I can't, I just can't believe a lot of this story. I'm like, did that, did that really happen? Did that really happen? Like, would they ever tell, say that? I don't know. But when, whenever he did get treatment, which was like five whole hours later, he got 55 stitches. He had lost three teeth and fractured his bone. And the doctor said if he did go back to the hotel that he could have asphyxiated on his own blood. So I I just can't see any situation in which a medical professional, even if he pinched his arm and came in and it was a Munchausen situation, don't they legally have to evaluate you in some capacity, even if you're waiting for hours? They can't tell you well, to come maybe, back. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe they said they would eventually get to him and, and they were like, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just, I can't believe it, honestly. But... Well, I guess it happened. The NHL, They're investigating they, and stuff. So, like, it happened, right? I just, I can't even believe it. Yeah, it's getting investigated. At least he ended up being okay and did not go to a hotel. If that was really said, I don't, I don't know the situation. I wasn't in the room, but it's being investigated because of how long it took and allegedly them saying that. So, it's scary to think that somebody could be going through something. And how are you determining what's a more traumatic injury versus another if you're not properly evaluated. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a crazy story. All right, let's get into this. Our last category, other death news, our favorite. Th these almost are always the craziest stories. They're, they're, they're just, they're not. So let's get into this first one. Well, let me tell you, this is a situation I could see really needing stink bomb for. So... <laughs> This is the six year old man called police and said there was an unknown person in his house and he believed that his wife was dead. So when the cops get there, they can't get in the door. It's locked. But they see a woman lying in a pool of blood in the room. So they get into the house and find that her her body has been like bitten and her foot's missing and all this stuff. So the guy is saying that, oh, no, she did die four days ago even though they think it's really been five or more days. So imagine the decomp smell when they walked in that house, but that he let their dogs like gnaw on her body. So he was there apparently, but he was like a little out of it, obviously. Did you see the picture of the, of the street that they lived on in Florida? 
Yeah. It looked, it, there was like, you ever, you know, when you go to a beach town and like their front lawn has like sand on it because it's that close to the ocean. It's like one of those streets. It's like this beautiful looking street in Florida. And I look at it and I'm like, oh my God. And like, you're going down the street. It looks so nice and chill. And then one of the houses is like a, a dead person that the dog's been eating and the husband's just kind of been sitting there letting it happen. But he did say- well, I felt re- Go ahead. I felt really sad by it because all the pictures they were sharing of the couple was like them drinking martinis at the beach and eating shrimp. And I'm like, what happened? Like, is there a mental illness thing going on? Because he appeared to be disoriented when they got there. Did He she- said he didn't want to, he did say he didn't want to let her go. Which is really sad, actually. And yeah, it is really sad. I mean, maybe she like had a heart attack. And I mean, the, the body's going to the medical examiner's office, so they'll do an autopsy and determine how she died. Um, maybe she had a but heart you attack. Can't, you can't let your dogs eat your wife, though. Even if you're yeah, I mean, going through shock. Clearly, he was a little checked out. I mean, obviously, yeah. but could you imagine though like let's pretend they're like retirees right they looked like they were in their 60s or 70s or something they're retirees in florida and they're like somebody's parents and you're up here like (laughs) living in a different area and just thinking like that that's what's happened i mean like my in-laws live in florida right like i hope to god that's not happening down there (laughs) so disturbing it is this next story is very it was a very long article that was very difficult to read what happened but do you want to give them the basics of what happened yeah so and in the middle i'm gonna ask you a question because i just want to i want everybody to understand like proper procedure in september of 2022 this man had died and his wishes were that his body was donated for organ or not his whole body but his organs would be donated in the event of his death, and then he would be cremated. So the family gives, goes into that wish and gets the organs donated. I'm sorry if this isn't proper terminology. So do you want to explain to everybody the standard procedure for when you die and if you're an organ donor and how that works well, first? So I was trying to figure out exactly what happened because in the hospital, there's all different ways that you could donate either your your bo- any of your body parts and the most common one in the hospital that I used to work at was like gift of life which is you you would be an organ donor and those organs would go to somebody that needed them right away but you could also donate your body like we were talking to Dr. Westcott today about donating your body to the body farm which you guys could um listen to next episode it's really awesome um but you, there's all different things because there's all different kinds of research being done. And sometimes you could do, so you could do it to a living person that needs it, or you could do it for like research stuff. And to me, it personally seems like he did donate it to like an organ procurement place that does more research stuff. The bottom line is whatever happened, they were supposed to take his body take whatever they needed and like give the remains back to the family. And when the family got his body back, which was already cremated, that's fine. He also, they also gave him a bag of his belongings, which is like clothes and things like that, which is also totally normal. But there was a cardboard box with it. And they did, they noticed when they picked it up that the box was in the car and it smelled like a strong chemical and it was burning their eyes. 
They, so much so that one of the people in the car got a really horrible headache from it. Yeah. And then they put it in the garage and they still noticed the smell. And then they called the, the place where they had gotten it because there was a funeral home involved in between this. And just to say like, hey, what's in this box? And it turns out that his brain was in that box in formaldehyde, his actual whole brain, not nothing cremated. It was apparently it was taken out and it was supposed to stay with his body and they just never cremated it at the same time with the rest of his body. And somehow they gave the brain in formaldehyde to the family. Yeah, so like you said at the beginning, this story was really difficult to understand, especially not knowing the common procedure with being an organ donor. So they're suing everybody involved, saying there's negligence, but it's kind of like everybody's pointing fingers at each other. Nobody knows where it went wrong. Everybody's blaming everybody else. It's kind of really weird. Well, I I think that yeah, obviously, like somebody didn't follow protocol or anything. And when we so when we take out a brain, I, I believe the guy had an autopsy. So that's why they took the brain out. When we take out a brain, we put it in a in a more higher concentrated form, not formalin, but like a formaldehyde mixture, because if you put a brain in a bucket with just formalin because there's so much water in formalin, it makes the brain like sink to the bottom and that could put um, like impressions on the brain that make it look like it had damage before death when really it's just kind of a false artifact from sitting at the bottom of a container. So we put a really like strong mixture of straight up formaldehyde in it to make the brain like float in the fluid. And that shit is like, it burns your eyeballs out. It is just so strong. I mean, regular formalin strong, but formaldehyde straight if you really were in a room without ventilation, like it would kill you. It would. It, we had a, a story once of one of our uh, teachers who used to work and he used to get the bodies ready for gross anatomy and he was embalming the body with formaldehyde and one of the bottles like spilled over in the room and it was in one of the old hospital buildings that didn't have any ventilation and he was exposed to those fumes for only a few minutes and he, he tells this story that he was there on the weekend embalming a body and he didn't know how to clean it up because it was spilling so crazy. He ran downstairs to security. So just like imagine this guy running downstairs to security at the hospital. And he said he was wearing a white T-shirt and it was covered with blood because the, his his uh, mucous membranes like in his nose started bleeding from it. That's how bad oh the feud was. So he's like he went down to the security and was like... Ah. And he had blood all over his shirt. But it was like this huge like hazmat situation, right? So even though the bucket was contained, you could still smell it. Like That's how strong this chemical is. So not only were they at a potential to get exposed to that, they they kind of were like doing this like Brad Pitt thing. Like, what's in the box? What's in the box? Like they didn't they didn't see it. It doesn't seem like they had someone else open it. Like, what's in this box? Because they knew like something wasn't yeah, right. They, they pulled them into a room and were like, oh, the brain was in that. Yeah. Box, like, so. but like, could you imagine even me? Like, I've seen a million brains and stuff. But like, if, if that happened with Gabe, I would I'd be so traumatized. Like, I don't want to see his brain like that. You know what I mean? So um, no. you could understand why they're upset being yeah. the chemicals and everything. It's just it's 
it, like, how's this shit happen? I don't know. And I can only see how it further pisses you off that nobody's like, listen, I am so sorry. We messed up really bad. Like, everybody's like, well, they did it. Well, they did it. Well, they did it. Like, somebody take responsibility because somebody knows where they messed up. I would say, line. just based on experience, I would say it had whenever the body was wherever it was, I guess, you know what happened? I think I know what happened. When he, when you get, when you get an autopsy, you usually look at all the organs, but like sometimes you will save the brain for a couple weeks because when, you know how I was telling you that you should put it in that special mixture, you really yeah. need it to, the brain, the consistency of the brain is like, it's literally like jello when it's fresh. So when you put it in this formaldehyde for like two weeks, it almost like cooks it. It makes it like hard that you could cut it and it's not jiggly and then you could see the structures better so sometimes we have to make it fix in that that thing for like two weeks and on top of that special neuropathologists look at the brain and they they have like a lot of brains so they'll have like brain cutting once a week or once every two weeks and they don't do it so what happened was that the brain probably was taken out the and the autopsy was done the body went and got cremated the brain was looked at in pathology but it took a couple weeks when the brain finally came back, it was like the body was already cremated and someone just made a bad decision to, like, keep all that stuff together. But the body was probably already cremated before they even had the brain back. Like, this is all just what I'm assuming based on everything. But it still it still doesn't make it right. Like, and, and now they're saying they don't want to cremate the brain because all it's going to do is just completely burn up. It's just like a bunch of soft tissue. They're not going to have they're not going to have any, like ashes to give the person to mix back yeah. with the other ones so so what so what do they do with it then it's just medical waste if they're not going to cremate it like where does it go i i mean they can yeah i mean because medical waste will get incinerated anyway i, I mean they're going to keep that around for a long time until this lawsuit is situated but yeah i don't know the the family's just like the family's just like screwed with that and that that actually will get into our next case because um, in our next case, there was a guy that was held. He was young, four, 43 or something. Mm -hmm. He was found dead in prison and um, they don't know how he died yet. So he's getting an autopsy, but they requested a second autopsy. And then the, the person doing the second autopsy said, hey, we didn't get his heart back. And that's the title of the article is like, what what does it say? Like. They, they took oh, his like heart the, or whatever. Yeah, the body was returned to the family without the heart. So there's not a lot of information about this case at this time. And he was in prison. He was serving 99 years for a burglary incident. Did you read that? I feel like that's a really long time for a burglary. Yeah. So, yeah, they have they have lawsuits filed and everything. And they got to figure out what happened. Because right now this guy is missing his heart. They don't know where it is. And... That's the condition the family's saying they got it in. Well, so this is what I wanted to say, because this is getting back to the other case. Like, we we take organs sometimes at autopsy. So let's say a guy, like, we've had this happen before, that we'll have someone die and we do the autopsy, and they have this really crazy pathology in their heart. And we want, we keep the heart. We keep it because, like, we need to look at it, because we can't keep the body forever, so all we could do is keep pieces of the body to keep going back to it if we're not sure. And in some cases, you have like uh, even like pediatric cases and stuff 
we uh, had a situation where we would do autopsies on like a fetal a fetal autopsy or a baby that died, and the heart is is a specific thing that only like specific doctors can dissect, and they might not be available the day of the autopsy. So we'll take the heart and we'll keep it, send the body back because we're like go do your funeral thing and whatever. We don't need the body, but we keep the heart, and that that happens. Usually we just keep a jar with like little pieces of everything so we could give all the organs back. But there's sometimes that you have to keep the whole organ. Like I was saying with the brain or let's say somebody had like a crazy lung pathology, we might want to keep the lung. And the reason that we do that is because once we send the body back to the um, to the funeral home, like forget it. Like we can't ever go back and look. We can't ever because like what if the pieces that we took for under the microscope like aren't that great and you want to go look again or something like that's it. You you lost your chance. So we keep these things called stock jars for usually for like a couple months after an autopsy. So there might be a reason why they took his heart and kept it aside, but it should be wherever they did the initial autopsy. If they didn't keep a stock jar and th there is a possibility that the person doing the autopsy just threw it out in the trash by accident, um, we which is not acceptable in my opinion, but I could see how that could happen because like while I'm doing an autopsy, I have a red bag next to me the whole time. And I'm like constantly like throwing paper towels and, and things. And we have a way of accounting for all the organs and make sure, you know, if we dissect it, we put it right back in the body and all this stuff. But sometimes I, I mean, I could see that that would be what happened. Um, but I think people have this big miss. Like they don't really understand that why we have to keep organs sometimes. And she didn't want her son to have an autopsy anyway, the mom. And anytime someone dies in prison, they have to get an autopsy. It's like a protocol. So even if the mom didn't want it, like too bad we're doing it because, you know, now they're saying there's bruises on his neck and he was getting harassed and this and that. And that's obviously why they have to do it to make sure Cause, well, yeah, because he was just, he's, he's young, he was seemingly very young to just yeah. die without a known illness. Yeah. So, and, and my, I mean, in theory, they shouldn't have access to drugs or anything like that. So, I mean, this is why they have to do it because there's going to be an investigation like that. So, I just want to let everybody know that, 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 that's, that's a common thing. And especially if you give permission in a teaching hospital or something, then, you say like, okay, we could keep it for research. We Sometimes we would keep a slice of lung for like, if it was something cool that we wanted to show students or whatever, like that's just, that's just n normal protocol. Yeah. All right. Well, we aren't going to do some questions today because actually next week we are going to have a very long episode answering a lot of the extra questions we've had week to week and some additional ones we've asked for on Instagram. So make sure to follow us on Instagram at, at Mother Knows Death, at Mrs. Ann Jemmy, and TikTok at Mrs. Ann Jemmy. So you could get all the latest little clips. You guys could leave your feedback or leave, leave us some a review, for please, us. on on um, Apple. Uh, you could leave reviews on Spotify too, right? No, well, you could leave us five stars on <laughs> Spotify, but on uh, Apple, you could leave us a written review, which would be really nice and help spread the word of mother knows death so we're very thankful for you guys we hope you have a very merry christmas and we will see you next week yeah have a great holiday have a great new year's and yes we will see you next week with our special q a holiday session thank you for listening to mother knows death as a reminder my training is as a pathologist assistant 
I have a master's level education and specialize in anatomy and pathology education. I am not a doctor and I have not diagnosed or treated anyone, dead or alive, without the assistance of a licensed medical doctor. This show, my website, and social media accounts are designed to educate and inform people based on my experience working in pathology so they can make healthier decisions regarding their life and well-being. Always remember that science is changing every day and the opinions expressed in this episode are based on my knowledge of those subjects at the time of publication. If you are having a medical problem, have a medical question, or are having a medical emergency, please contact your physician or visit an urgent care center, emergency room, or hospital. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother Knows Death on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.